Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. Before we get started with our Penn State football talk, just a reminder, our friends at New Trail Brewing Company, they brew their beer right here in central Pennsylvania and they deliver it fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. Your biggest dilemma is which of their many options to select. That's why I recommend their Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trails Hoppy Pack, it's an absolute crowd pleaser, packed with four different hoppy beers, sure to please everybody at your tailgate, your campfire, wherever. So make sure when you go to your beer retailer, ask them where the New Trail beer is. And also check out, they often have new beers that they release every week, so you have something new to try out. All right, T. Frank. I started the show with Dustin earlier this week saying, boy, did things change in a week. And I'm going to say the same thing to you. I have, when I do the notes for our show, I essentially grab the notes from the previous week as a template and I update. And it's interesting, almost every point I made last week, it's the opposite point this week (laughs) with this team. Yeah, um, a lot a lot changes when you play at home against a team that doesn't have their starting quarterback. It, it sure does. Uh, my first talking point last week was the offensive line was dominated a week ago against Michigan. Not quite the same this week. They were banged up a bit, but still, at least going by statistics, Sean Clifford was not sacked. There were some holes for the running backs. Looked to me like a much better performance for the uh, offensive line. Yeah, uh, so I would push back that they were dominated. To me, and that to, to be truly fully dominated means that against the pass and against the, the run, you were dominated. Like, you were giving up sacks and pressures. and They weren't good against Michigan, but they did give Sean Clifford some clean pockets during the portion of the game that was competitive. And I guess that's why I'm I'm starting from that point because I think it was relatively the same effort um, against a not as good of an opponent. And you look early in that game when when Penn State wanted to run the ball and establish said run, they were not able to do that. But as the game wore on and they were able to find balance by throwing the ball first, then they were able to find some running room for the running backs and they were able to pass protect and... Um, I think that's, to me, that's the biggest thing, is that I don't know that there was an appreciable difference other than Penn State's scheme was better, and they were taking advantage of matchups that they had an advantage of in this game, and credit to the coaching staff for, you know, making a major adjustment. I wrote a lot about the offense last week and how uh, there were some real problems with what they were trying to do from a fundamental standpoint of you're trying to put two tight ends on the field, but you don't throw to the tight ends and they're not good run blockers. So what are we doing? And then they adjusted and they got the tight ends involved. It took a full quarter to do that, but they were able to then, you know, beat the brakes off of the Minnesota defense with the tight ends. And then that opened up everything else. And so that was transformative. And the question to me is, do I trust this offense going forward? 
and I don't know the answer to that yet. We'll obviously find out more next weekend, but let's talk about this play calling a bit, uh, T. Frank. I've been hammering for weeks, throwing the ball on first down, essentially throw the ball to set up the run versus vice versa, which it felt like they were trying to do. It feels like that's what happened this time against Minnesota. Could you explain how that works, how some success throwing the ball then opens up lanes for the running backs? Well, there's there's so many ways that that happens. Let's start with the most, uh, maybe not the most obvious, but, but the fact that on Sean Clifford's interception and the play before, both safeties were lined up eight yards off the line of scrimmage. That means both of them are engaged in the run. They have no fear of the deep ball because Penn State, on film and you know anywhere else that you looked in the game plan, had not been throwing the ball deep. Sean Clifford made the right read in that he needed to throw the ball to back off the safeties. He threw a bad ball and it was intercepted. But you know, Parker Washington had a an angle on that corner where he would be in a contested catch situation if the ball was thrown on frame. We all saw how that landed. But from there on, the next drive, I think it was when they got the tight ends involved you are then forcing those safeties to respect every part of the field. And on top of that, the same thing happens to the linebackers. The same thing happens to that second level of the defense. They were going after uh, Sori Marin, I think is his name, the middle linebacker number 55. They went after him all night long. Um, so that then becomes the question of, do, do you keep that guy on the football field? Because as good as he is a run defender, he's, he's giving up. 38 yards and a touchdown to Tyler Warren because of the too high scheme that they run and the way that Penn State was attacking in the middle of the football field, and he's that line of defense. So now you have hesitation from the linebackers of stepping down into the run. That gives your offensive line some breathing room, and unlike last year, this is a competent enough offensive line and running game that if you give them a second, if you give them a moment to breathe, then you have an opportunity to make some plays. What happened on top of that is that Penn State's off, uh, Penn State's tight ends were one, you know, they were a threat. So any motion, any um, movement by the tight ends, anytime that they go out in an RPO, you have to respect that. You can't slack off that. You can't go ah, they're not going to throw the football there because they have they have finished the game with two touchdowns and 117 yards. You have to cover them. The the halftime adjustment for Minnesota is they started doubling Tyler Warren. And this goes back to what we talked about with creating space. You start doubling one receiver, it's like in any other sport. You have less resources to go elsewhere. Suddenly, you have more room. You have one-on-ones for Parker Washington down the football field instead of having a safety over the top and having these conservative defenses. It just opened up so much room in the running game where linebackers are shifting. And then with the use of tempo and zone running to set up other concepts, it was what I've been expecting from Mike Yersich the entire time. That looked like a Mike Yersich offense just with two tight ends. And and if that is the code that they finally cracked, I think this offense can cook. I think they can do some really good things as long as the offensive line is healthy enough to execute those things. It's interesting you say that because I think we all thought of Mike Yersich coming in as this creative offensive coordinator and it's outside of a couple games, essentially the two games against Auburn, we haven't uh, seen much of that. He's been we? creative the whole time. It just hasn't been working, Jim. That's the thing about football is that it's all results-based. I'm looking at some beautiful concepts where he's getting dudes wide open and the ball doesn't go to the quarter, uh, doesn't go to the receiver. Or I'm looking at some great run concepts that work once 
And then, you know, they don't have anything on the base side to fall back on. And this year they do. And and so, like, a lot of your perception of an offensive coordinator is hamstrung by how the plays are executed. And and I, I, I just want to reiterate that, that even though I was talking a lot about the offense and saying... I believe that Mike Yersich is a good offensive coordinator, and I think that we'll see more of that come to life. Let's talk about Sean Clifford's performance. The numbers look great. Mm-hmm. The interception, I'm glad you brought it up. Watching the play live, it looked like if he would have thrown further to the left, his receiver had some space between them. I'm not saying he would have been able to catch it you know, yeah. wide open, but throw it away from the defense, he had a chance. But that's one play. Even the start of the game, the first couple three and outs, I'm not sure you could put on Sean Clifford. And the one play that Mitchell Tinsley even said, hey, I should have known where the sticks were if I just leaned forward. And watching the replay, it was the case. He had the first down, and that drive could have kept going. He had the first down, gave it up to try and get more yardage. Uh, be, I guess because, as you said, there he didn't have, he didn't think he had it. But yeah, that would, didn't have to be a three and out. That was a first down that they gave up. Sean Clifford wasn't the problem last week against Michigan, and I know fans want to blame the easiest places of the head coach and the quarterback, but Sean Clifford's played the exact same way he's played all season the last two games. There's just been less opportunities for him to do things in that Michigan game, um, and you know. That is saying the quarterbacking part, the execution of passing plays. I'm not saying that overall he was good when there were times he should have kept the ball or maybe times in this game where he should have kept the ball or he threw the RPO and he didn't need to. Like, There's always going to be those decisions and executions that can be cleaned up. But for the most part, he's been efficiently operating the offense. And this past week, he had some open throws and he took them. There was one play in particular, where the ball was coming out before the receiver made a break. And I don't remember exactly which one it was, but that was what you're hoping for. It was, I believe it was one of the touchdowns where he threw the ball and the receiver hadn't made a break yet. And then he caught the ball on his frame with anticipation. That's what you're asking for. That's, that's, the, that's the secret sauce. <laughs> Can he do it more? And there's, you know... Uh... More to it, as you said, than just is this an accurate pass? It's thrown to the right guy. Are the receivers getting separation, which I think has been an issue with this team over several years. The other part to it, and you alluded to it a little bit, about Sean Clifford keeping the ball on the zone read. He did that exactly zero times against Minnesota. You put up 45 points, you win going away, not a big deal. But... Do you think that was by design? It looked to me like there were some plays where he should he had an opening and he could have taken the ball himself and run. Is it they were protecting him, do you think? And uh, so We need I to stop think- that. We need to stop the idea that they're calling zone reads and they don't want the quarterback to run the football. That it, if, if they don't want that, they wouldn't put that in the plays. So it is not that. It, that is a choice by the quarterback who thinks Nick Singleton's better at running the football than I am, or it's an unconscious decision and he just doesn't want to keep the football. I don't know. You know, I, that, that is something that I, I, I couldn't answer for you. Um, but I want to go back to something else you said quickly. You said, uh, you know, Sean Clifford throwing the football. There were those two passes, the one to Mitchell Tinsley, on the free play, and then the touchdown to Parker Washington. 
Um, oh, I'm sorry. You said the receiver's not getting open. Neither of those guys were technically open. But Sean Clifford, there was a difference in him where he decided, I'm going to throw them the football anyway. It's the right read. I'm going to throw the football, give them a chance. And both passes were on frame. And that's probably the biggest change is that they were actually on frame. But he's actually he's giving those guys a chance. And they're contested catch guys. They're good. That's what they're going to be. That's the evolution that this offense needs to have is throw more contested catches. And he did that. And look at the results. I mean, I think they speak for themselves. But I would also say, and maybe we're saying the same thing, he put it in a position where the, the receiver had a chance. That's yes. why even the long pass with the interception – he could have placed the ball in a better place. Yep. It would not have yeah. necessarily been an easy, uncontested catch, but he would have given his receiver an opportunity. In that situation, he did not do that. All right, T. Frank, that's it for quarter number one. Quarter number two, how about we take a look at the defense? Stay tuned for that. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pregame tailgate all the way through the victory celebration. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. We've got the big game with Ohio State coming up this week. The bad news is our buddies at GoPSURV.com, they are sold out for Ohio State. And if you miss out, it's not my fault. I reminded you for a couple weeks there were only a couple spots left. However, still a couple home games left. With Maryland, 
Michigan State could be two very good ball games. And if you want a fun way to spend the weekend in Hoppy Valley for those games, check out gopsurv.com. And something even better, you could get $500 off your RV when you call Mark and tell him you want the KSN RV special. So just give Mark a call at 800 519 and just make sure you tell them you want the KSN RV special. All right, T. Frank, we talked offense in the first quarter. We talked offense during our break. <laughs> now now, now yeah. it's time to talk about the defense. And I started out by saying, you know, all my notes from the Michigan game are kind of turned on their head for this Minnesota game. And my first note about the defense last week against Michigan was I didn't think the linebackers played a very good game. I think they struggled. I'm going to start this game by saying, this game review by saying, how about those linebackers? Curtis Jacobs, Abdul Carter, they got the start together. Mm -hmm. I know James Franklin said it was about stopping the run. I'm saying those are your two best linebackers, so it's probably not a bad idea to have them both in the game, T. Frank. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> these are opinions at this point of, like, what's... Because it's not about what happened at Minnesota. Like, uh, here's the thing. is like I was taking questions post-game. James Franklin took questions post-game in the actual post-game press conference 25 minutes after the game ended about, yeah, well, what about Ohio State? And that's the only thing people care about now is will they play both those linebackers against Ohio State? So let's talk about the matchup. Minnesota had their third string quarterback in the game, um, Calic Manis. They did not respect. Oh, and by the way, Chris Ottman Bell, their number one receiving threat, had been is done for the season a while ago. They didn't. They just like a lot of teams this year did not respect Penn State's deep passing game. Penn State did not respect Minnesota's passing game. So they put their biggest, heaviest linebacker package on the field. And they said, we're stopping your run. Deal with it. And they had four linebackers on the field at one point. Are you doing that against C.J. Stroud, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., and uh, the other guys that they have? I forget number two's name and uh, Travion Henderson. No, you're probably not doing that. James Franklin and Manny Diaz have said that we're do like this is our defense and we're doing it this way. I could be wrong. It's fair to point out that not none of us know the opinion of the coaching staff truthfully, like the true opinion. All we have is what they do week to week as far as the game plan. To me, that was a game plan specific thing of we're playing both those linebackers in their big base package is what they call it, and those guys are going to be our linebackers this game. I I think there's a great chance Jonathan Sutherland's on the field again next week. And and that's what it is. They're playing a team that plays three receivers. They're going to play their base package with their Sam striker uh, that they normally have. Now, is that the right decision? I think Curtis Jacobs was a great Sam before they moved him over. So I think that would be good too. But I'm telling you that what we think and our opinion doesn't really matter. I'm telling you, T. Frank, your opinion does matter. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, and it's opinions. That's what we do. So in looking at it now, and it's not like Jonathan Sutherland was benched and didn't see the field. Yeah. So, and it was obvious the things that you pointed out that uh, Minnesota 
what you had to fear was the running game and Ibrahim, who's an they ran the ball back. on third and seventeen. They ran the ball on third and seventeen. Just tell you what kind of game it was for Minnesota. And and to be honest with you, during the game, I tried to put myself in the shoes of the Minnesota fan, and I was complaining about Kirk Sharaka and the way he called the game because in my head I was saying, if I'm a Minnesota fan, we can't win this game just running the ball constantly. we got to give the kid a chance to throw the ball. And look, that last drive of the first half when we gave him a chance, he completed a pass. Yeah. A deep pass. And... When he, he then, you and I were talking about this a bit before off the air, that when their quarterback had a chance to run the ball because Penn State was so focused on the running back, their quarterback picked up yardage. So why didn't they do that a little more often? But anyway, that's a, a discussion. I can tell you why. It time. goes into Penn State's scheme. It goes into what Penn State was doing. Um, so a lot of teams, when they play a team like Minnesota, especially when they have Tanner Morgan and they have legitimate viable threats at receiver, they will try to hedge their bets. They want to stop the run. They want to clog the box because they know that Minnesota wants to run the football. And they're very formulaic. They are very formulaic. Talk about a system. Kirk Scirocco runs outside zone with enough man to keep you honest. And then they RPO, read option, and bombs away. Or this year, without some of those deep threats that they had in the past, they will attack the slot. So if your linebacker, your Sam linebacker, is lined up in that no-man's land, off the line of scrimmage about four yards in between the slot, they'll throw the ball. And when Penn State lined up that way, they threw the football. Penn State said, "Uh, no, we're not doing that. They removed the ambiguity. They didn't play with inside or outside leverage. They played head up on the slot receiver, and they said, you're going to beat us in man-to-man coverage, or you're going to throw the ball deep. And Minnesota was unwilling to throw the ball deep, and there's a reason for it. They went one for four for 25 yards in an interception when they threw the ball deep, and Penn State doubled the slot receiver by shading the safety over that way for most of the game. They did the same thing with Brevin Spanford. So Penn State eliminated the entire playbook from Minnesota because they could. They had the option to, so they shut everything down and put the ball in read. In When the quarterback and, and the and the sideline are reading the formation, it said run every single time. That was the only good option for them. And then they ran the ball on third down because they were also afraid of exposing their offensive line for what they are. And third and 17, a lot of times the offenses will kind of concede that you'll see a draw play or a screen yeah. pass. So so that's not too unusual to try to live to play another day. In talking about the linebackers, I want to go back to this, uh, T. Frank. And we mentioned how Abdul Carter and Curtis uh, Jacobs played. How about the middle linebackers and their performance uh, this game? Tyler Elston and Kobe King, how did they do? Good. They did good. Again, this is the type of game they're going to do well in because there was no threat of a pass. <laughs> there was no there was no need to read. Penn State was free to attack the line of scrimmage and attack uh, something that they're used to seeing. In a lot of ways, so this is another thing of not just the quarterback, but this matchup was so much better for the Nittany Lions in terms of playing that team. Michigan... It, going into that game, the reason I thought Penn State and Michigan would match up defensively is because Michigan had been running a lot of stuff in between the tackles. They've been doing a lot, 
a lot of stuff in between the tackles. So you don't have to worry about Tyler Elson running sideline to sideline. He just has to read and react. This game, he just had to read and react. And he was able to get downhill aggressively and make plays. That's his game. Minnesota didn't do anything to make him run laterally. The other thing is the defensive tackles played much better because they were playing a system that they're built to defeat. And they did. So when Penn State's defensive tackles played well and everyone stayed in their gaps, the linebackers could flow, everything works. But when people start getting out of gaps, Keziah Izzard gets out of his gap, P.J. Musfer slants too far, gets into the C gap when he's supposed to be in the B gap, then you have holes, and a Muhammad Ibrahim is a really good running back that's going to find it every single time and get the maximum amount of yardage he can. But luckily for Penn State, that speed that he has, that didn't allow him to get all of the yards, and they were able to corral and tackle, unlike previous week, the, the previous week where it was then six. Let's talk about the defensive line a little bit. And again, this is a different type of game in that it's not about the defensive ends getting to the quarterback. This was about stopping the run. I would assume that this is also the kind of game like a Nick Tarburton, who you think of as more a run-stopping kind of defensive end would excel. But it looked like overall the entire uh, defensive line did a good job because you weren't just facing a good running back. He was a really good running back, yeah. and you held him to under four yards a carry. Yeah, and so this is actually because of the situation with Chop Robinson not playing. Denying Dennis Sutton came into the game, and he's a, he's a good run defender. So that was, I'm not going to say a blessing in disguise because Chop Robinson's also a good run defender, but denies obviously a big physical football player, and he did a great job setting the edge and playing the run really well. And so that depth at defensive end, where initially we were wondering how many of those guys are going to play and how many are going to play well, and you got a freshman. It's like all of that has worked out in Penn State's favor where Deny was ready to, for the moment and was a, a really solid piece of the rotation. And, you know, the other guys played well too. Adisa Isaac had a good game against the run, uh, was very active with his hands. And uh, and and uh, Smith Vilbert Vanover uh, brain. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, Vanover. I, I'm, I always mess those two up. I mean, Vanover had a good game, too, where he played really well. Smith Vilbert did not have a good game because he did not see the field, obviously. <laughs> well, that also talks about this uh, rotation. If they could have Chop Robinson out and still have a pretty good four man rotation. I'm looking at the uh, number of plays. As you might expect, Adisa Isaac and Nick Tarburton had 42 and 37 snaps, respectively. But you had Vanover with 27 snaps and Deny Dennis Sutton, the true freshman, getting 24. That's mm -hmm. pretty good depth and a pretty good rotation there, isn't it? Yeah, and, and those two at the end of the bench get that many every game, really. The difference was, I think, that the top two soaked up a couple more plays, and, of course, Penn State was dominating, and they were not allowing them long drives to, to eat up more snaps. So uh, they could keep the rotation relatively the same, just minus one guy. However, you know, not to be the guy that I'm, I'm always kind of eye-rolling, and, and we record this early in the week, and, like, we haven't even given it a chance to breathe before we move on to Ohio State, but uh, they are going to need Chop Robinson against Ohio State. There's, there's no way around it. You need his pass-rushing presence. We are going to talk about Ohio State in quarter number four, but before we get there, T. Frank, you know what we have to do. 
we have to take our listener questions in quarter number three. We're going to allow them to ask T. Frank. Then in quarter four, we will look forward. We'll look at Ohio State. Stay tuned. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands, as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends or by the campfire, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trail's Hoppy Pack is an absolute crowd pleaser. Packed with four different hoppy beers, it's sure to please everyone. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with GoPSURV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with GoPSURV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. We specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results. Dot com or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. It's quarter number three. And you know what that means? It's time to ask T. Frank. This is where we take your questions about Penn State football, recruiting, or life in general. And we present those to T. Frank. At the end of the segment, we'll pick out a best question. And you will win the prize pack from our friends at New Trail Brewing. Some great stuff, great swag. And I feel like, T. Frank, I have to put out this reminder every week. No, we are not going to send you beer. As much as you might like that, that's not how it works. But some really great uh, New Trail swag. Before we get started, though, I do want to mention one thing. Because this came up a couple times for me this week, uh, T. Frank. Last week's winner, Ryan, I tried to reach out to you with email. The email was rejected probably means I got a bad email address from you, Ryan. So please send me an email, info at ksnsports.net, and we will get in touch with you. And if there's any other winners, apparently I've been having some issues with email. You send it out, check your uh, spam folders, 
And if I haven't gotten a hold of you, please send me the email. I promise I'll get back to you, but we've been having some email issues. All right, T. Frank, you ready for your questions? Yep, let's do it. We said we're going to start talking about Ohio State in quarter number four. Aaron from Charleston, South Carolina, cannot wait that long. He says, hey, guys, enjoy listening to the show every week. T. Frank, given what we've seen, what you've seen of Manny Diaz in this Penn State defense, how do you expect they will fare against Ohio State's passing attack? If you could give Manny Diaz some words of advice for this matchup, what would they be? See, this goes oh, back to, no. I told you I trust your opinion. Apparently, yeah. Aaron does also. Well, so, Aaron, I, I had some bad, I had a bad idea the other night just because I want to see something, and it has nothing to do with winning and losing the football game. Um, I, so let me just preface this with the fact that, like, I appreciate that you believe that I'm an all-knowing, all-seeing being, but I have yet to dive fully into the Ohio State tape. They have a new defense coordinator, Jim Knowles. I have watched some of it. I have seen kind of the, the basic structure of what they like to do, but I don't know if that was just the one game I watched. I, I need more information. But um, we know what Ryan Day and C.J. Stroud are capable of. We've seen this offense. There's enough familiarity that I can talk about that. I see one of two paths forward. I You can be ultra-aggressive. I mean, Penn State has two NFL corners. You, uh, Kalen King and Joey Porter Jr. are that good. That doesn't mean they're not going to get torched by two really good receivers, okay? So let's just put down preemptively the talk of Joey Porter Jr. being bad because anytime you've already decided you don't like him if, if for some people. If he loses a rep and the ball goes that way and it's caught, you aren't paying attention to the 13 other times that he was in position and the ball didn't go his way. So do you decide that you're going to risk that and play aggressive man coverage? I kind of want to see that. I, I want to see. It's like, like I said, it's like a ba it's like a camp. It's like one of those prospect camps where you put guys in one on one situations and you say, OK, the better guy is going to is going to win. And then we'll find out who that is. And that is an NFL battle there between a lot of guys that are super talented on the outside. So do you do that? And if you do that, are you putting your less talented players like Tyler Elsden and some of the other players in underneath coverage in one-on-one -on -one situations for them to lose, and it doesn't matter. So there, he can be aggressive, or he can play bend but don't break and play a lot of soft coverages and try to blitz and have it both ways with his zone drops. I, I mean, you have to do both. You have to do both. But at the same time, I would be a little more aggressive, try to stop the run and put them in bad situations in third and long, and take your shots there. Because you can get nickel and dimed all the way down the field, and then your offense is never on the field. And this offense needs more chances. Get them the ball more often. And interceptions, things like that can happen. You never know. I don't know the X's and O's as well as you do. But in principle, I like the idea of taking that risk, taking the gamble. As you said, there's a couple NFL cornerbacks out there with Joey Porter Jr. and uh, Kalen King. Take that chance. I, I describe it as giving yourself a puncher's chance. Give yourself that opportunity and don't let them march the ball down the field, you know, with their running game, which is also very good. So I, I do like that idea and I do want to see it. Understanding you are going to get burned once in a while at least, and that will be part of it. All right, let's go to 
Stephen in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, he says, T. Frank, listen to you on all your platforms, and I think you and Jim and Blue White Crew are great listen, and you've got me involved in chats there a number of times. But hey. my question is this. Do you think the media is soft on James at his press conference, or are they scared if they dig harder, he won't answer, or you won't get called on anymore or be able to go back and ask more questions? Uh, so first off, I, I this puts me in a tough situation of criticizing my colleagues, and, and I am not a person who has earned the right to criticize other reporters. I have not been doing this long enough to do that. I will tell you the function of how it works um, and, and how I've learned to work with James Franklin. Obviously, I ask questions about scheme and about, you know, kind of the concepts behind football to inform my analysis. I don't ask the reporter questions. There are certain questions that have to be asked about uh, Smith Vilbert and Kazai Izzard at the beginning of the season. And those questions are asked, and James Franklin does not want to answer them. And he gives very specific answers, so you have to have a very specific question. Um, but here's the thing that I notice fans want us to ask. Hey, James, why are you bad at what you do? Why, why, why can't you win against these top teams? You get a version of that question that he will answer, but if you have a combative relationship, you will not get an answer. You will not get as good of an answer from James Franklin. You will not get what you need from him to write a story because ultimately our job is to produce content and write stories, and if we don't get the quotes we need, it becomes harder and it becomes a diminished product. So there's a fine line between asking tough questions and then just being combative. And I understand that a lot of fans want a pound of flesh, but you're going to get that in the article anyway. You're going to get that online anyway. You're going to get somebody to agree with you. There's not going to be this universal consensus among people that have to work with each other that we're just going to be combative. And people are, by the way, they push back in their own way. It's just not confrontational. And, I, you know, personally, I'm not a confrontational person. That does not work for me. I would not ask good questions. But there are times, like, again, I'll go back to James Franklin when in the middle of his celebration of thwacking Minnesota. Somebody asked, yeah, but can you do it against Ohio State? Because that's the only thing fans care about. So people are asking those questions. They're just not asking them in the way you want them to. And I understand that can be frustrating, but there's a reason for it. And I think you answered that question pretty well, but I'm going to add my two cents because I've come at this from a different angle, not a professional media person trained to do this, and I was the same as our listener. Hey, how come you can't ask him tougher questions? Well, the other part to it is James Franklin can be pretty elusive, okay? Yeah. And I edited that question a little bit where Stephen also wanted – why doesn't someone ask him, is he living up to his uh, contract, and how long do we put up with your excuses and not executing? Okay. Right. That's your, so, so St Stephen, that's your opinion of James Franklin. And, like, we can have our opinions of James Franklin, but they're not, they're, as, as a journalist, they are not supposed to shade how you cover these things. You are not supposed to have your personal opinion be a part of your work. And so there's also a level of professional pro professionality there as well. Uh, and I'm a prof professional speaker that couldn't say that. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, and I do see Stephen's point where he could ask the question in a way, James, you are the third, fourth, fifth highest paid coach in the country. Do you think you're living up to that contract? 
that's not necessarily shaded, but it is a pointed question. Yes. The fact is, you're not going to get much of an answer when you ask a question that way from James. And after listening to these press conferences, so many of them now, I can see the technique that the media are using to try to elicit some useful answer from James. Because if you come at him hard with that kind of pointed question, you're not going to get anything of any use at all from him. Nothing. It doesn't work quite like it does in politics where, you know, those gotcha questions get on the air the next day across the across the country. All right. uh, Let's go to Stan in Franklin, Tennessee. And he's referring back to a week ago. I was stunned Coach Franklin's statement about the size of his D lineman and the reference to Aaron Donald. This was his first mention of this concern all year. What purpose do you think that served in a um, press conference right after that tough loss? An emotional outlet. That's what he really thinks of his players. Um, and that there is there has been some conflict between what he wants them to do and what they have done in the offseason in terms of their uh, sports performance and sports enhancement. Um, he came back on Tuesday and shut all of that down by not answering the question when we asked follow-ups because I was also super interested and it got to the point that it would ask it was asked two or three different ways and he had no interest in answering that question. So that was an emotional outburst that he I I would bet regretted a little bit even if it did send a message to the players he wanted to send it to. Um, and then he shut it down by just not, again, not responding to the question, not answering it, not having anything useful to say uh, about said thing. So, yeah, that's I, that's how I took that in the moment, and then it was kind of confirmed later. Yes, it really was. And I think what fans and the media responding to it, it was so out of character for James Franklin to give that kind of emotional response. That's not yeah. typical of him. He's usually so calculating. He's the most that, honest after the game. The most honest you'll get him is after the game when his blood, when, when his dander is up. And that's one of those situations where, you know, uh, I think we get great stuff from him, but that's one time where probably he regrets that. Do you have a winner, T, Frank? Yeah. Uh, let's go. Let's go with that last one. Uh, talking about the defensive tackle size. I uh, we 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 spent way too much time talking about questions asking of James Franklin, and uh, uh, but we'll give it to the defensive tackle size question. I'm going to disagree with you there, T. Frank, because I do think in this day and age where those press conferences are made public, everyone sees them. Fans want to know that. They want to know what it is like on the other side. And from being a fan, I do get it, that frustration. I really do. But if you do listen to them all the time, you realize what you think might be effective really just does the opposite. James Franklin will close up shop and really not give you anything useful. That is it for quarter number three. Quarter number four, we'll look ahead to Ohio State. Stay tuned for that. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pregame tailgate all the way through the victory celebration. 
It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. T. Frank, I've mentioned it several times that in quarter number four, we are going to look forward. We're going to look towards Ohio State. Uh, Let me just set it up. Ohio State, a big favorite. The spread is now up to 15 and a half points. It's edging up the spread which means smart money is going on Ohio State. We know what the people's expectations are. Ohio State is a really good team. Got to accept that. But I'm going to start with the same question that one of our listeners asked because I want you to expound on it a bit, T. Frank. It appears that Penn State's defense is going to have to make a choice. How Mm -hmm. do you play this? And I know mixing up defenses has to be part of this. But you probably need a principle going in how you want to deal with this. As a layperson, I do like the idea of allowing my cornerbacks to go one-on-one with those wonderful receivers that Ohio State has and focus on everything else. Could we get pressure on the quarterback? Could we stop the Ohio State running game? I think it's high risk but high reward. Yeah, so that has to be a part of the game plan because you can't sit back the entire game and let C.J. Stroud go to work. You have to get pressure, and that's a part of it. Um, When when Manny Diaz gets a little too blitz-happy, I think that things start to break down, especially I've been concerned that the read by the linebacker sometimes hasn't been great. Jonathan Sutherland, I think, made the wrong read on that 21-yard wheel route to the running back. He made a great play on the quarterback run uh, the previous play and then gave it all back when he blitzed, and I think he was supposed to read the running back and then blitz. 
So you've got these situations where you're asking those guys to make a snap decision, and it, I don't think it always works because sometimes there was another play where Minnesota was trying to set up either a screen or they were trying to take advantage of that, and the pressure got home so quickly that it didn't matter. I, I don't know that that's going to happen. And then all of a sudden the proposition is you've got Travion Henderson in the open field, and all of that coverage on the back end doesn't matter. So there, there's some stuff to work through. There's the point of playing Ohio State is there's no good answer. There's no there's no Minnesota game plan where you can completely shut them down. The point is to frustrate them and make it hard on Stroud. And he's been I mean, here here's where this is gonna get tough. We're parsing words here. He has been good this season. He's been the better quarter like if you were look at him versus uh, any quarterback the Penn State's played this year. And especially if you look at it versus Sean Clifford, he is far superior to the guy he's going to go up against or he has gone up against. But he has not been perfect. There have been games and there have been times that teams have frustrated him. They have gotten to him, the either pressure or coverage looks or, uh, you know, whenever he gets uncomfortable, the ball tends to go uh, high or low, you know, so he'll overthrow some receivers or, or skip it into the dirt. I need to do more to see what's going on and the why, but I can tell you that, you know, this is not an invincible team. And Penn State has the pieces, if they play at their best, to do that. That has been the case the entire time at with James Franklin at Penn State against Ohio State. Other than a select few times where they, you know, injuries or just a down year, it hasn't been the case. But by and large, Penn State plays this team close every single year. And depending on what Diaz does, it can be that again. It can be that situation again. So I do think you have to mix it up, but you can't. I'm in favor of being a little more aggressive and trying to stop the run and put it all on the quarterback. And then on third down, you know, the whole formula they've been doing all year. And Ohio State, and I think every one of these elite teams through the years, you know, we say um, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, if you want to put Clemson in there. These teams have not been infallible this season, and mm-hmm. I don't know what has if if there truly is more parity or not. The transfer portal, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is. Now we now know Notre Dame is not a great team, but Notre Dame with a good defense was able to shut Ohio State down. Um, I believe the final score in that one was twenty-one ten. Now. Yep. I'm not going to do the extrapolation of, well, if Penn State's X points better than Notre Dame, hence they should be able to uh, beat Ohio State. It it doesn't work that way. But I'm wondering, T. Frank, does Penn State's strengths match up well against Ohio State when you have the, the good defensive backs and you could use that, the fact that you have a couple NFL players back there at Penn State, Use that it's as not, their chance or their strategy to win against Ohio State. It's not enough. That's the thing. One strength is not enough. And this is where I, uh, this week I'm going to be digging into how good is the offensive line. Is there an estimation that Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac can get pressure? Here is the best scenario for any team in any situation. You allocate the minimal amount of resources to stopping the run. This goes back to James Franklin's comments about wanting bigger defensive tackles. There is this the analytics and, and pass rush and pressure and all these things have taken us one way. And then you realize the value 
of a large defensive tackle that eats up blocks and is a nightmare in the run game because you can allocate fewer resources to stopping the run if you have one cornerstone player that can do that. And it's it's gap scheme, it's all that stuff, but having one of those guys to, to tip the scales in your favor would be a huge thing. Does Penn State have that? I don't think they do. They play well as a unit, but they need to allocate a, the appropriate number of resources to stopping the run on every single play, which means you can't devote more of those resources to stopping the pass. So that is an area they do not match up well. But this is the best secondary that they'll face this year in Ohio that Ohio State will face this year, and Penn State has the makings of a very good pass rush, uh, especially from you know the, from the defensive line, and we haven't seen it in a while the defensive backs, but they have not thrown as many players at the line of scrimmage as they have in the past. Does that make a uh, return where you've got Johnny Dixon and Jair Brown coming off the edge? I think we'll see it, you know, and I think they'll play zone behind it. So you have to find the, the, the narrow path through your weaknesses to get to a place where you're playing an even game with Ohio State. And, you know, as much as I, you downplay, I downplay size a lot, it is a tool and it is an advantage when you have it, but I don't think you should sacrifice everything else for size. And that's the obvious recruiting part, getting guys that are big enough that you don't have to sacrifice anything. And that's where they, they've historically, famously struggled at tackle and defensive tackle. Essentially, T. Frank is telling you that size does matter. Let's go to the other side of the ball, T. Frank. Let's give Penn State the ball. What have you seen from this Penn State offense is there something that they could hang their hat on going into this Ohio State game? So Jim Knowles is the new, I, I believe it's Jim Knowles is his name, from Oklahoma State, the new defensive coordinator, uh, has fixed a lot of the problems that Ohio State had last year. They are a sharp unit. I don't know that I see any players that are jumping to the NFL in the first round on that side of the ball. Um uh, but that doesn't mean that there aren't guys that are going to go to the NFL and play very well. Steel Chambers, the linebacker, he's really good. That's the biggest change, I think, uh, over the last couple of years with Ohio State is their linebackers have not been good. I know they've been talented. I know they've been highly ranked players, but they have not performed at a high level. The guys they have this year, they stop the run really well. Um, so this is an area where Penn State, if they want to come in and establish the run, you're going to see a lot of three and outs. I think they need to be aggressive here, and they need to do what they did to Minnesota. They need to do that out of the gates. Be aggressive, attack the middle of the field, attack the weaknesses, because I do think this is a secondary you can throw on. Um, but terms and conditions always apply because they have one of the best pass rushes in America, so how do you find the time to get the ball down the field to attack that secondary? That's going to be a big question. So you've got to find every advantage. You've got to find every inefficiency, and that's where I think, you know, uh, the quarterback makes up for so many other things if you've got a guy that knows intrinsically where the weaknesses of the defense are and attacks them correctly every single time. So Penn State doesn't have that. They don't. The, the offensive line is banged up. We don't know the status of Caden Wallace coming in this game. That was going to be a challenge anyway. And now they're down to potentially just Bryce Effner over there. So it's looking rough for me before I really dig into everything to see. But Again, it's going to be the same formula. Attack with the tight ends. Attack with your receivers. Give them the chance to go make a play. Don't turn the ball over and give your offensive line some breathing room to run the football. I don't think that this team can establish the run and establish the identity. They have to do what they've always done. 
because you don't change your stripes in a year. You can't just become a running team. And they don't have the horses up front to be one, and those horses are a bit gimpy right now. So a little more doom and gloom on this side of the ball for me for Penn State football. But if they scheme it really well, and they did that last week, I think Mike Yersich is capable of doing that. And then it becomes on the players to then execute those things. I would, again, like to see them throw the ball to open up something in the running game. I'd like to see them with the up-tempo. I think Sean Clifford does better in that environment. Uh, get the ball out quickly to not yeah. allow the weakness of the offensive line come, you know, come crashing down on him, T. Frank. All right, got to ask it. Point spread is 15.5, over-under is 61. I'd like to get your prediction. I know it's early in the week, but I still want to hear a prediction and see if you've got a bold prediction for us for this game. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, I think that, Jim, I just, this is, this sucks. <laughs> okay, so let, let me, let me stop there having you are on again the radio. using those technical football terms on me. Yeah, I'll stop stuttering on the radio and give you something here. Uh, I'm never prepared for this, despite the fact that I know it's coming every week. I just don't want to say something. Uh, okay, so I will say something. I think Ohio State covers the spread. I, that's that's my prediction, and I'd say my bold prediction, though, is that it's the under. They they go under that. They go under 61. Penn State keeps a lid on it. They play them tough, but ultimately they do, they do Ohio State does cover the spread because I don't see a path to points for the Nittany Lions because this is a really good run defense now where it wasn't a year ago, and uh, the secondary, I, I don't think it's going to matter if Penn State doesn't have an offensive line. So that's going to change my opinion going forward is what's the status with the offensive line and can they find some breathing room for this unit? Because I still believe in these receivers. You know, what we saw against Minnesota, I think, can happen more often if Sean Clifford puts the ball up and, and puts it up in a spot where they can catch it and puts the ball up and trusts them, tight ends included. It's, going to be, it's just going to be harder this week, and they've got to be on it. So I just I, I don't trust the offense yet. All right, T. Frank, very good. He's got Ohio State covering. So if you got angry response to that, address it to T. Frank with your questions, not to me. He's the one who said it. See that, uh, T. Frank? I'm making you be the uh, bad guy here. That is it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands, as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends or by the campfire, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trail's Hoppy Pack is an absolute crowd pleaser. Packed with four different hoppy beers, it's sure to please everyone. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. 
lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results. Dot com or give us a call at 814-206-0000.